0: Hello, and welcome to Maine Golf Talk. We are your hosts, Zach Zomlow and Henry Fall. In these podcasts, we'll be discussing what makes Maine Golf so special. We'll be sharing our own experiences and knowledge as both players and coaches. We'll also
1: branch out to discuss hot topics in the game and chat with special guests to hear their stories, all to keep you in the know and help you improve your game. Let's get into today's podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Maine Golf Talk. Today's guest is Corey Lewis. Uh, He's down in North Carolina now, and he is on a sort of conquest to play 2,000 golf courses. Um, Some stats on his progress right now, he's played um, 205 Donald Ross courses and 103 Tom Fazio courses, pretty crazy numbers there. so quite the conquest, and uh, Corey, why don't you uh, uh, say hi to our guests and how are you?
0: Uh, hello, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be talking to you.
1: So how did you uh, how did you get started in the game, and you know, talked a little bit about you know where you grew up and.
0: Sure. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people, I was introduced to the game by my father and uh grew up in winchester virginia outside dc and you know my dad was the real source of my passion for the game uh took me to pebble beach when i was 15. we went to pinehurst twice a year from when i was 13. we ended up buying a condo in pinehurst uh when i was 15 and you know, it took me to Scotland. We had a kind of magical day at Royal Dornick, which is still my favorite golf course in the world, and took me to Ireland when I was 18. And that's kind of, kind of really how I got started. I was a decent junior golfer, you know, never played in any AJGA events. You know, I finished third in the Virginia State championship when i was 13 so my joke is always i peaked really early (laughs) i'm not sure i ever did better than that at an individual tournament um but yeah and then you know i went to uh campbell university uh in their golf management program i'm so old i was in the first pga approved uh golf management class uh 1998-99 class uh and you know North Carolina. Campbell was a great place. We could play most of the courses around Pinehurst for free. Uh, Tobacco Road, which I'm sure most people have heard of, we could play there for free if we walked. I've heard that's a good one. Yeah, it really is. It's like golf on Mars. It's really one of (laughs) the most unique experiences of golf in the world, but that's kind of how things really started for me, and then this whole course thing, I started counting courses when I was in college. You know, it took me a while to figure out how many I have played, but then kind of just figured it out. And then it really started for me with the traveling thing. I got a job right out of college as the tournament director for a PGA section in New York, uh, Northeast New York section in Albany. Didn't really know much, hadn't been to really the Northeast very much. But all of a sudden, I was within three hours of Boston and New York and northern New Jersey, and I spent every single weekend driving somewhere to play golf. I mean, you know, in Boston, played Myopia and Salem, and then played Yale, went down to Westchester, played Wingfoot, played all the courses around northern New Jersey, and played Fisher's Island one Saturday in September. Uh, So that's really where things started to click for me because I was in a place where I didn't really know anybody and didn't have anything else to do, so I just played golf and discovered lots of cool little hidden gems and started to learn about architecture. I mean, when I was 22, 23 years old, I didn't know much, but I really started to kind of click for me. Fisher's Island was the first one, just figuring out, like, who is this Seth Rayner guy? You know, who's Charles Blair McDonald, why do they have these templates, oh. and it just, that's kind of the way it started for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, and it, you know, what's cool is that, you know, as we're having this conversation, I'm able to look on your your website here, your blog, about uh-huh. you know, where you've played and yeah, you know, all the, the states and even countries you've been to, but um, it looks like you've played 14 courses in in the state of Maine. Can you talk a little bit about your time up here?
0: Sure. My wife and I did a trip to Maine two years ago. It was Maine and New Hampshire, and we flew into Boston and then just did a big driving trip. Uh, We started out in the mountains of New Hampshire at Bethlehem and Maplewood because I'm trying to play every course ever associated with Donald Ross. (laughs) A lot of my trips kind of tend to focus on that uh and then we were at Mount Washington we played uh Lake Kaiser which has nine holes of Ross and then Sunday River uh you know I'm very fortunate when I plan these trips because my wife typically plays one course a day and I try and play two or three uh you know it takes a lot of help from fellow golf professionals um third day of the trip we Zach is the perfect example we played Sugarloaf we were the third group out I got Zach was great you know very kind to my wife which I always appreciate and you know we yeah it doesn't happen that much believe it or not uh but we were third group out we got done we went to Belgrade Lakes played there then I played the back nine at Augusta because it's Ross and I you know my biggest regret from that trip is I did not play the front nine at Augusta because again I was just trying to play the Ross holes the front okay. end looked amazing, and I know they've done some work to it or are getting ready to, and, you know. Uh, but then, yeah, we had a day at uh, at Acadia, played Kibo and Northeast Harbor. Uh, and then another day in Maine where we played – I played York, then we played Protznek and Booth Bay Harbor. Um, next day was Samoset and Portland. And then uh, our last day was Cape Arundel. Uh, we met President Bush. Uh, Ken, the wonderful pro, who I think you guys just had on your podcast. You yep. know, we, we were the first tee time on a Saturday morning. And, you know, we, we get told, oh, President Bush is going to play in front of you. <laughs> and, you know, I was immediately a little suspicious because I play really fast. And they said, he will not hold you up. And I thought, yeah, right. So, you know, he pulls in comes right over to us, could not be a nicer guy, and to my shock, they were not lying. He may be the fastest golfer I've ever seen. It was wow. him and another guy and, like, eight Secret Service people. And it's <laughs> just a surreal experience to be playing behind, you know, a whole bunch of Secret Service. Yeah, and, well, uh, I was going to
1: say, I mean, politics aside, it's probably not the best person to be hitting into.
0: No, 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 it, that was actually a problem for a little while. the The rear secret service cart was kind of in our way, and you know, President Bush said something to him, and they moved up, and they played really quickly. I mean, they did not get in our way, and you know, we you know saw them several times. it was It was weird. We were playing kind of lateral holes, and there's they're looking for a ball. So there's all these secret service guys in suits looking for a <laughs> golf ball in the weeds. you know that that's kind of surreal.
1: And they weren't, like, uh,
0: kicking the ball back out in the fairway for Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. But, uh, but Played yeah, by no. the rules. Yeah, he couldn't have been nicer. And, you know, meeting a president was just never thought something I thought would happen to me. I'm not the type of person that, you you know, ends up in those circles. But, yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. I mean, just our entire trip in Maine was amazing. I mean, Maine is just one of those places the golf is so – laid back, relaxed, and the designs, you know, especially of the the classic courses are just on the land, you know, that's what's there, there's nothing tricked up, there's a lot of sporty, kind of quirky stuff, I mean, that's one of the reasons I keep wanting to try and get back to Maine, we're actually going back to Maine this summer, Uh, we're going to Nova Scotia, and we're going to fly into Boston, take the ferry from Bar Harbor to Yarmouth, Nova Scotia if the COVID allows us obviously yeah and you know we're going to try and hit all the Ross courses in Maine that I haven't played yet so Cape Neddick, Biddeford Sacco I'm sorry if I'm butchering pronunciations no you're good uh Poland Springs Penobscot Valley yep. and then Lucerne Hills which I drove by on my last trip and it looked really fun you know a little nine-hole course but you know, I've always admired golf in Maine because uh it's so old school. You know, there were so many golf courses that Styles or Alex Finley did that are just, you know, very simple, fun golf courses without much pretentiousness and they're just kinda there. So yeah. So that that's my experience in Maine. It could not have been better and uh it's a great state for golf, maybe the most underrated state for golf in the lower 48, you know, it's, you don't get a lot of attention. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, we love the feedback. We're glad to hear that. I mean, that's kind of, um, I guess the basis for our podcast is just sharing me and golf and and people's stories of, you know, either growing up here and playing or, or coming, uh, or just stopping in and, and playing a few rounds of golf. So it sounds like you enjoyed it up here.
0: Yeah, you know, and I really appreciate kind of the the collective thought in Maine that, you know, for the most part, the private clubs are accessible. You know, Cape Arundel, they consider themselves, they want people to see it, you know, and they want people to be able to come play it. Prats same thing. If you stay at that one hotel, you can play it. And just a you know, I'm always impressed by how welcoming everybody is and, you know, how open they are to sharing what they have. And, you know, one of the things I all I really need to do in Maine is do North Haven and Tarantine, the two little nine hole courses on the islands that require ferry rides. And, you know, I want to get to all these places because I've heard amazing things, you know, um, the book that, uh, John Galazzo did for the Maine Golf Association that Michael Moore was involved with. The game has come to stay. I think that's a great hmm. book that everybody should read if they're interested in golf in Maine, because they do an amazing job kind of covering Maine and, you know, some of the wild topography. I mean, I mean, how great a state is it where you can go from the mountains to the sea in a yeah. couple of hours and get such great experiences. I mean, that's one of the things I thought was amazing is, you know, the the mountain course which is, you know, obviously Sugarloaf, where Zach is, and Sunday River, and a little bit of Belgrade, and you go right. down to the coast, and you have a completely different experience.
1: Well, what is it? We call it ski and tea, right? So you can yeah. ski in the morning, and then play golf yeah. on the coast in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, so it's so. it's such a, it, it was definitely up there in terms of the trips we took, and, you know, we were very fortunate that we were able to play everywhere we wanted, and Um, you know, I could not have been happier with how that trip worked out and it, it was absolutely amazing. And, you know, I, I definitely want to go back. I'm very fortunate with my wife that she has a sense of adventure and she likes the kind of small quirky courses, obviously playing as many as I have. She's been dragged to a few where she's kind of giving me sideways looks and, you know, things like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough about golf in Maine it really is great. So your,
1: your current count is mm-hmm.
0: 1,769. So
1: you're yeah. 200, 231 away. Uh-huh. Um, talk us through some of the, I guess, more, I guess, renowned courses or, or uh, well you know, courses that we would, we would know from so, outside of the state
0: of Maine. Well, so the big one was my thousandth golf course was Pine Valley. Uh, the perennially number one ranked golf course in the world. Um, I didn't really plan it that way. It kind of came about that I was joking with a friend one day when we were joking about my approaching a thousand. and I said, well, obviously the only golf course that should be a thousand is Pine Valley, you know the number one course in the world. And then we kind of laughed about it for a minute and I thought, well, I can try. I mean, there's nothing wrong with trying. <laughs> And I had a friend, I, I worked in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, DuPont Country Club for several years. That's actually where I met my wife. And I had a guy I knew who I'd played a couple of rounds with who had subsequently got into Pine Valley. And, you know, I moved to North Carolina and I hadn't spoken to him for a couple of years, but, you know, I thought, okay, it's worth trying. So I wrote him a letter and he responded immediately, was happy to help. And so I was able to, to make that happen but so that was that was pretty cool I may be the only person in the world that can say that Pine Valley was their 1000th golf course <laughs> um you know so but in terms of courses that you know people in Maine would recognize uh you know I've played uh you know most of the top 100 in every magazine you know obviously the country club in Boston uh was a pretty cool experience you know I played Cypress Point and pebble beach out in california both with my father at different times oh very dad, cool yeah my dad took me to pebble beach when i was 15 and then i took him back 10 years later to play cypress point Point. and yeah. it was you know really cool experience um now it was really you know the I, cypress point is probably my second favorite golf course behind royal dornick and uh You know, amazing place, but yeah, I mean, pretty much everything in the top hundred that that I've played, you know, one of the things about my journey is that you, golf is such an amazing experience because you're outdoors and you get to experience places you've never been in your life and places you get to see. And I've seen the country and, you know, we've gone from Maine to Seattle, my wife and I. And you know, our honeymoon was actually spent at a golf course called Sand Hills in Nebraska, which is the number one ranked modern golf course in the country. Core Cren- Crenshaw. Yeah, course. Crenshaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, I've played, you know, I've played almost everything. I I have not been overseas as much as I want to. I had the one trip with my father to Scotland and Ireland. Other than that, you know, besides Canada, I have not really traveled overseas extensively. That's Something I'm looking forward to doing later in life, you know, maybe after I retire or after my wife retires. So mainly it's been the United States, like Seminole that was just on TV uh, last weekend. You know, I played there in 2012 in a charity outing. Most expensive round of golf I've ever played in my life. It was a thousand dollars to play in the charity outing.
1: I mean, that course looked stunning on TV, though. Yeah, wow. it really
0: did. It's and it's it's even better on on the ground. It, it's you know,
1: interesting because you know. So I was actually looking at a couple of your milestones here, uh-huh. and you have you know you have Old Marsh at thirteen, uh, thirteen fifty on your list right um and that's i'm guessing that's the one in palm beach gardens correct yes it is yeah, yeah. so i sure. i caddied there for two winters and i you know i always drove up uh uh was a1a or whatever right there yeah. alongside mm-hmm. of, of Seminole, and it, it's interesting from the road i i didn't suspect like that uh much elevation change it's yeah you know, it seems pretty flat along that road and when they showed it on tv i'm like man there's a couple holes that really uh you know, they have elevated greens and, of course, those old Donald yeah. Ross uh, upside down bowls, per se. So
0: It really shows the genius of Ross as a router of golf courses. There's this ridge kind of at the top of the property, and he yeah. was able to route these amazing holes up and down that ridge. And, you know, maybe a modern architect might have bulldozed that ridge, and Ross worked with it and got the most out of that property. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, But yeah, it's been, it's been a great journey that I, you know, look forward to continuing and (laughs) it's been a lot of fun. So I got to ask for Zach about number 800,
1: uh, Wade Hampton. You worked there for a little while. what did you think of that one?
0: Uh, It's Fazio's best course. And I don't think it's close. Um, Now I think why it's Fazio's best course is he had kind of an all-star team design that's shaping it. Mike Strantz, who went on to do Tobacco Road, uh, was one of the shapers on it. So was Dana Fry, who worked with Mike Hurston. But, yeah, I think it's his best course by far. It's just – it looks different. It's set in the mountains, works absolutely beautiful. And, obviously, you know, you saw, as you said at the beginning, I've played 103 Tom Fazio golf courses. You know, Fazio is, you know, a great modern architect. (laughs) He designs beautiful golf courses. And, you know, he's very good in the mountains. He's very good with big budgets. And, yeah, I think Wade is his best golf course. Um, You know, it's got a whole 17 kind of controversial. It's a big, long par three with trees that guard both sides of the green. And lots of people are put off by it. You know, I kind of enjoy it. I like different.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 And uh, so what what might be – a few courses that you haven't played yet that are are high up on your list
0: well i mean obviously augusta um you know if if, in a perfect world scenario augusta would be my 2000th golf course augusta national i mean it's looking like you know i'll probably hit 2000 somewhere around january february march of 2022 so you know i mean i have no way of making it happen but you know if i could then that would be big. But, uh, you know, my other big white whale is a place called Chicago golf club. Yeah. It's Rainer McDonald. Uh, I think every student of architecture should see it because it's a very small piece of property, very flat and small piece of property. You know, they had the ladies senior open on it a couple of years ago. And I think I still have it on my DVR. I recorded every minute of it. So it was, uh, it was great to see. Uh but I mean those are the big ones for me. Uh that in the US, I mean and obviously Canada. Uh, you know, we we're hopefully gonna be going to Nova Scotia this summer and playing Cabot, okay. Cliffs and Lynx yeah. and, and Highland links. You know, those three have always been big on my radar. You know, I really followed closely the Cabot developments and so that's that's kinda where I'm looking now and, you know, in the next few years, just trying to play all the Ross courses, you know, I mean, I, I need to make several more trips to Boston and Massachusetts and, you know, that, that's, that's kind of going to be my goal over the next few years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what about, uh, what about Michael Jordan's new course? What do you think about that one? Is that on the list?
0: Uh You know, I don't know. I mean, honestly, the aerial doesn't do much for me and I've talked to some people that have played it and they, they kind of say it's nice, you know, I mean, you're right next door, medalist and MacArthur, two very good golf courses, you know, obviously medalist has been softened over the years, you know, Greg Norman moved all the bunkers that Pete Dye put in on the inside of the dog legs and moved them to the outside of the dog legs. And, you know, MacArthur is super high end, probably has the fastest screens I've ever seen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to play it, I guess, but you know, nothing that I saw made me want to rush down to Florida to play it immediately. But given that it's Jordan's place, I'm sure uh I'm sure it'll be some place I try to play eventually.
1: What about uh have you played Blue Jack? I yes. Course. Yeah, how's
0: that? It was great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think it's you know possibly the best course in Texas. I was I was surprised because you know I not really knowing much about Tiger's as designer, I really appreciate how playable he made it. You know, one of the litmus tests I have when I play a golf course is could my wife enjoy this? You know, my wife is a thirty handicapper. You know, could she enjoy this course? Could she play this golf course? And that was absolutely true at Blue Jack, and you know, obviously they kind of modeled their experience after Discovery Land. You know, they have the over-the-top uh, comfort stations with food, and you know, we got I got barbecue sliders on like the thirteenth hole, and you know, who doesn't mind that? I remember there was some there were some guys from the Astros playing behind us and they got to that little barbecue stand where he's making fresh barbecue. And I don't think they left, like, (laughs) you know, they, you know, we, we played a couple holes. They were still there. We got done. They were still there. I think they forgot about the golf and just started eating. That's great. Yeah. I was was real impressed. You know, I, I want to see more from Tiger. You know, I, I hope to get to his course in Branson, uh, a big Cedar Lodge at some point in the next few Oh years. yeah, that's right there. That's you know, that's
1: almost done, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's supposed to that was actually plan A for the this summer. Uh but you know my wife and I do lots of things, uh one of which is trying to incorporate Major League Baseball parks. Uh we went to the Red Sox game a few years ago and played some courses in Boston. So we were gonna go to a Kansas City Royals game and the St. Louis Cardinals game and head down to Branson and play all those golf courses. But obviously with the virus, uh, baseball is not probably going to be live for a while. So that's where yeah. kind of Cabot came into. And obviously, you know, we don't even know if Cabot's going to happen with the Canadian border. Uh, but so, you know, that's, I really want to see more from Tiger. I was, I was truly impressed with Blue Jack. It was very good.
1: Yeah. It's a nice one. When- when courses allow you to hit a shot that runs up the green mm-hmm. or lands short green and is able to kind of run on. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, when you have these elevated greens and bunkers right in front, you know, if you don't right. have the, the length and the trajectory, it, it makes it challenging, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's what I appreciate about. You can be creative without closing off the entrance to a green. Mm. and you know that's you know <laughs> kind of tying it back to Maine I think that's one of the things I love so much about golf in Maine is that you have so many just classic laid upon the land golf courses right. you know a bunch, a bunch of the little nine holers have zero bunkers but you know you can still enjoy them you're still going to hit shots and they're still going to frustrate the biggest hitter because you're <laughs> going to have to figure out a way to stop that ball on that green that's the size of a coffee table.
1: Yeah, it's a little different than probably blue jack. I don't know how big their greens are. Oh, but. they're
0: huge. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. So Corey, we uh, we usually wrap these up with a a little segment. Um, we call the the rapid fire, or wicked fire, I should say. Okay. Um, so, how about uh, your favorite course that you played in Maine?
0: Uh, Cape Arundel.
1: Really? Okay. Like that. So yeah. you're and okay. So I, that kind of leads me to my next question. I guess your favorite designer. Donald Ross. Okay.
0: So Donald Ross, Ross classic and Core Crenshaw modern.
1: Gotcha. Okay. And and didn't Core Crenshaw weren't they involved with a sort of renovation on Seminole? I think I saw that. Yeah. On well, TV. they're
0: on they're it's an it's an ongoing thing, but okay. yeah, they they're doing the current work there. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. Okay, it's yeah. cool because you're such a historian of the, of this too of the the designs that you're playing. I I think that's great. Um,
0: yeah, you know I I I really enjoy and I I wish more people would kind of seek out the the classic. You know, sh- don't dismiss nine hole courses. Don't dismiss short courses, and don't dismiss courses that are fun and interesting. Because that's really me. When you play as many golf courses as I do you're always looking for something different, something fun, something that you can experience and get the most out of. And, you know, again, Maine has that in spades and a lot of places don't, you know, there's a lot of big modern courses that just bore you to tears.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then how about, um, if you were a member of any club that you've played, you know we're talking practice facility clubhouse restaurant the whole experience mm-hmm. and you could just play there every day for the rest of your life where would it be uh
0: geez uh <laughs> i guess so prairie dunes would be auto, number one and then i was a member at a club called old town in winston-salem for three years uh it's a perry maxwell and, you know, same going along with Prairie Dunes, you know, it's just the coolest membership I've ever seen. You know, there's no tea times. Uh, the way it's laid out, yeah, you can play three holes and be right back at the clubhouse. And, you know, I was a member there. I'd love to be a member there again. Uh, the men's grill is designed so that all the tables are big tables, like tables of eight. So if you sit down for lunch, you know, you and a buddy, somebody comes in, they sit at your table. All of a sudden, there's eight people there, six of which are complete strangers, and you're having a wonderful conversation. So, obviously, because I experienced it there, I'm a little biased towards Old Town, but I think taking away where I was a member, it'd be Prairie Dunes. Uh, just, okay. I love the vibe there, and I I think it'd be a really fun place to be a member.
1: Very cool, and how about,
0: I don't know if Maybe
1: you don't have one, but maybe your favorite your favorite hole that you've played?
0: My favorite hole is the fifth hole of Pinehurst number two. I kind of have a love-hate experience with it. It's about 430-yard <laughs> par four, which they actually turned into a par five for the last U.S. Open. They flipped four and five. <clears throat> four is a par five, and, and it is every day, and five is a par four, and they flipped them. Because the fifth hole at Pinehurst, number two, kind of tee shot, fairway falls right to left. It's very, you have to hit a fade to stay in the fairway. And it's got your typical Donald Ross green, falls off on all sides. (laughs) And I think I may, you know, I, I played number two probably about 50 times. I think I may have birdied it once. It's the type of hole where you can be three feet above the hole and lag your putt. Because yeah. if you miss, you're going off the green, rolling down the hill twenty yards. I mean, is, guys in the U.S. Open could make a triple very easily.
1: Is that the hole that Keimer eagled from, like the sand yeah. on the left side? It might have been, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, okay, I think I. You know, yeah. and Pioneer's number two's been in like video games and stuff. So yeah, I mean,
0: we really, have I mean, never played there, but yeah, it's the, and there's nothing flashy about the hole. It's just it's so devilish because you're. Yeah you know, obviously the tour pros have gotten much longer in the last 20 years, but, you know, you were hitting mid iron into it, but even the guys hitting short irons into it struggle to find the green. It's just so devilish and it's just kind of always been my favorite hole.
1: Yeah, what I'm curious what your feeling is on, you know, I know the USGA just completed a study on the golf ball and um, the sort of lengthening of the golf courses over the past twenty years or so. Do you have a feeling on, you know, maybe what the future should look like?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would really like to see some sort of rollback. Uh, probably of the ball, I think, would be the easiest thing. I mean, I think bifurc- bifurcation is a good idea. I think the pros really should play different equipment, different balls than amateurs. I mean, you know, as a golf pro, yeah, you, your average twenty-five handicapper has gotten longer over the last 20 years, but they've also gotten longer into the woods over the last 25 years. So I don't think that you need to curtail anything for amateurs, especially those that enjoy the game. We want them to continue to enjoy the game. But yeah, for the pros, I mean, golf courses like Marion, where they had the open and was 12 or 13. Oh yeah, such a good course. I mean, I gotta say I did enjoy Seminole this past weekend because it's not necessarily the longest golf course, but, man, those guys struggled mightily. Yeah. The greens were so firm. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to have to come. Uh, I think we're going to have to, you know, do something about the ball, especially on the pro side. Because, I mean, as you know, being a golf pro, you know, we're, we're going to run out of resources. It's not going to be cost effective to maintain golf courses with water in the next 30, 40 years. Water is going to be the most expensive thing. California golf courses are closing left and right because they can't afford their water. So, you know, asking courses to maintain 7,800, 8,000-yard tees so they can compete, it's just going to be difficult. So, I mean, that's that's my opinion. I'd like to see some sort of adjustment to the golf ball.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see how it plays out. I, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting, uh, you know, conversation. And uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. But it's, it does seem like some of these old courses are, that are shorter are, are, in a way, kind of looked down upon. But, it, yeah. you know, courses like Marion are just, I mean, the fact that they don't have a U.S. Open there with, every 10 years is
0: Right, and and when they did, they had to trick it up so much. They had to make those greens so unbelievably hard (laughs) and firm and fast. And I mean, I was at that. One over one, didn't it? Something
1: like that?
0: Yeah, yeah, I was at the the, the fairways were nothing. I mean, the fairways (laughs) were, I mean, big six-inch rough and, you know, very narrow fairways, and that's not really how you want the golf course to play. I mean, the open in 14 where they tried the, you know, the no rough thing and, you know, the brown open that in 14, you know, I think it went well, but maybe not as well as everybody thought it would because, you know, there's the Augusta effect with everybody wanting green and, you know, USGA tried to change that with the open in Pinehurst. And I don't think the message really, I don't think it got through to people as much as they hoped it would. Um, You know, I, I see them going back to setups that are more tricked up and although, you know, the chipping area thing that we've seen at some U S opens, I I'd like to see that stay, but you know, I think, you know, what the USGA is going to have to do to defend par is going to get pretty ridiculous.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it, how it all unfolds moving forward. Um, so Corey uh, why don't you uh, tell our listeners where they can find you and you know I I mean obviously you got your website here
0: and yeah sure my, like my blog, Instagram. sure yeah my blog is 2000 golfcoursesblogspotcom and then yeah Instagram and Twitter are both at 2000 golf courses and you know I I post pictures of new courses as I play them and then I always try and post Kind of random photos of golf courses I've played over the years, you know I have photos of most of the golf courses I've played I mean obviously I didn't plan on doing something like this when I was playing my hundred and fiftieth or two hundredth golf course, but yeah I you know I post photos of all the golf courses, and anytime I have a, a cool experience, I try and document it and my blog is all my different trips and that I take and just try and you know, let people see my journey and, uh, you know, I've taken some great trips over the years and I'm going to continue to take great trips and you know, that's, that's, that's that.
1: Well, if we can help you in any way, I mean, uh, definitely when you, you come up to Maine next time, we'd love to oh, yeah. get you out. Wait, uh, so I, I'm actually assistant pro at Martindale, which is down Ross course, and I don't see it on your list. So that'll be, uh, will okay. have to be the next one up for you.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, I, pro- it's probably not on my radar because, you know, I go by the Ross society list. Okay. So if, if, if it's not on the Ross society list, then I haven't played it, but I mean, yeah, if it's associated with Ross, then I'll, I'll definitely be seeing you this summer. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
1: All right, Corey, well, we, we really do appreciate you coming on and, oh, my uh, my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so, uh, and guys, you guys, uh, can, Follow us on Instagram at Maine Golf Talk. And if you can leave a review on iTunes, we we certainly appreciate that. And yeah, this has been another episode of Main Golf Talk.